Welcome to the Raising Confident Teens podcast, where we teach life and leadership skills to teens and their parents. I'm your host, Rachel, and on today's podcast, we're talking to the parents. Our guest today is Joshua Wayne. Since 1996, Joshua Wayne has worked with kids in just about every setting imaginable, drug and alcohol treatment, with at-risk foster youth, community mental health, private practice, and as a director of special education at District of Columbia Public Schools. He helps youth face the challenges in front of them and make smart, empowered decisions as they navigate towards adulthood. He also teaches parents, teachers, and other caring adults how to best love and support them through this process. Joshua holds a master's degree in counselor education from Northeastern Illinois University in Chicago and is a nationally certified counselor. He has been featured as a life coach on the Style Network and is the co-creator with Josh Shipp of the One Caring Adult online community. Welcome to our podcast, Josh. Hey, happy to be here. Uh, Thanks. Could you tell us a little bit about your background and how you became involved with helping teens? Uh, you know, it's a good, uh, it's a good question. I mean, the, the simple truth of it is that I was struggling teen myself and, uh, particularly as I was going from high school into college, I didn't have a real inner sense of, of direction. And it kind of took me some years to figure out what direction I wanted to go in and what I really wanted to do with myself. And I did go to college, but I didn't get a whole lot out of it. It wasn't a really well-adjusted time of my life. I did some traveling. I worked at some various jobs as I was figuring out what I wanted to do. And fortunately, I encountered a couple of mentors that uh, I was just lucky enough to cross paths with and and kind of helped me get my feet on the ground and uh, figure out what I wanted to do with myself. But honestly, as I as I kind of came out of that experience, just always one of the things that was very clear to me was that I wanted to help other teens sort of find their way through the the typical confusion and challenges that come with with being that age. And then over time, it also morphed into helping parents understand their their teens better so they could love and support them through that process, particularly young men who were in that really critical transition phase between adolescence and adulthood and helping them get across that uh, sort of cross the bridge, if you will. That's good. It's like your greatest weakness became your greatest strength. For sure. Exactly. Um, you have recently written a book, The Simple Parenting Guide to Technology, which I've read, and it is a great, great resource. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, teens and technology. And in your book, you say, you quote the research by Common Sense Media that says the average teen spends seven and a half hours a day in front of a screen, that, which is the equivalent of four months out of the year. And that is astounding to me. Uh, Could you discuss what would be more appropriate times for us to set for our teens to be on their devices as teenagers? Sure. So let me let me take two sort of sort of two bites of this apple, if you will. Okay. let me first give you the ideal numbers to strive for. And this is an amalgamation of the data that has been put out there or the recommendations that have been put out there by the American Pediatric Association, the World Health Organization, just my own years of working with families and tests and stuff out. The general consensus is that kids up to around the age of six should spend about one hour a day in front of a screen. Right. So that's Snapchat or well, that age, I'm not doing Snapchat, but, you know, watching TV, maybe playing some educational games at that age, about an hour a day between the ages of six to 12, roughly 
up to two hours. And that actually goes all the way up to the time when they're like 15, 16 years old. Um, you know, basically two hours a day at that point, they're probably into video games, social media and that sort of stuff. So two hours a day of screen time and then all the way up to, and then around the time that they're 16 and up, maybe 16, 17, in my opinion, is when they have to start to go through the, the, the phase of having no particular parent imposed limits. Maybe it happens when they're 16, maybe it's when they're 18, but they're basically at the age when they have to self-manage it regardless. So right. at some point they need to be, to be given the, uh, you know, the keys to the car, so to speak, uh, to figure out how it works. And we have to be there to help them sort through it and maybe make some mistakes and, and take a look at it. But that's the general uh, guidance that's out there. But l- let me say this, if you're a parent who whose kid has been on a device seven and a half hours a day, that's going to seem pretty draconian, particularly to the kid. If you're saying, okay, you can only have two hours a day. So let me just make my, my biggest point, which is that the, at the end of the day, the real issue here is not tech, right? The issue is moderation. And so that's going to mean different things for different families and, and for different parents. Um, you know, we are not going to go back to being a horse and buggy society. And unless you're, you know, intent on finding a way to live off the grid, your kid's going to have access to tech and it's going to be a part of their life. And tech is kind of like sugar. You know, once they get a taste of it, they want it. And it's something that they're going to want in their life. So really the issue and the battle here is how do you find the right kind of moderation? So for some families, maybe it will be two hours a day for their 15 year old. And if you can pull it off, then great. But you may have to make some some compromises or or find a way to apply that to your home. We could talk about some of those strategies, but that at the end of the day is the most important thing is how do you help your kid have a meaningful life apart from their devices? Devices are probably going to be a part of their life, but the key is how do you help them have some kind of balance so that there's there are other things in their life that are meaningful to them and important to them and that occupy their time that don't involve their phone being in their hand. Right. That's a struggle for, I mean, even adults, even me, I can get myself sucked in there sometimes. And I'm easy like, for all of us. Yeah. For sure. That was an hour just went by. Yeah. So how do you transition? If you've had a kid that has never had limits and you're trying to transition to more structure, more boundaries, how would you go about that? All right. Well, sort of implicit in the question is the acknowledgement that for younger kids, when you're just introducing them to their first devices, it's going to be a lot easier, right? There's right. no question that if you get this information or you're just happen to be thinking about this at the time you're first introducing your kids to tech, that having some pretty clear limits around it, being clear that you as the parent are the one guiding and determining how devices are used in your family. If, if, if you can do that, it is gonna certainly make your life a lot easier. However, to your point, there are a lot of parents that are gonna find themselves with a 13 year old or a 14 year old or a 15 year old. And then they're kind of you know slapping their forehead saying, oh my God, like I didn't pro- put the proper limits and restraints in, in this when he was or she was eight. And it's a, bit, a, bit, a bigger challenge. So let me say this, I think, the first thing to think about is to start to take bite-sized chunks. You are not going to take a kid who's on their device eight or nine hours a day and overnight turn it into 90 minutes or two hours a day. It's probably just not going to happen, you know, without World War III erupting in your living room. 
<laughs> so, so you're probably not going to go there. The first thing that I think parents have to do, and, and I actually suggest this across the board to parents, you know, with kids up until the age of maybe 17, 18 years old, when they're really at that point where they're managing their own devices, is that if you can do nothing else, there's this one golden rule that you should work really hard at implementing in your house. And it's to make sure that devices go to bed at night too. Meaning mm -hmm. there is a firm time, whether that's nine o'clock or 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock in your home, whatever's right for you and your family, there's just a cutoff time and everything gets shut down and put away and ideally stored outside of their room. So that is their phones, computers, laptops, even you know gaming systems, Xboxes, go around with a laundry basket or something and gather them all up and get them out of their room and charge them somewhere else, making sure that there's at least a cutoff time so that kids actually sleep is like the one thing minimally that I think parents should be going for. Now, there's some things you can add on top of that, but if, you're, if you have a kid who's never had any limits, in my opinion and from my experience, this is where you start. You find a way to make sure that things go off at night and everybody actually goes to bed, particularly with COVID, and we can talk more about COVID times, even without COVID, a lot of teens will become nocturnal animals if you don't get in the way of it. Right. Parents you have too. to make sure devices go to bed at night too. That is the first and most important thing you have to do as a parent. Yeah, that's a great tip. Um, I know. You know if, you're, if you want just a quick second order thing, then like the next thing I would start to do is try to find some, you know, maybe you can, in, instead of them turning it off at 10, you can bring it down to nine or something. But another thing is to say, okay, hey, Sunday, we're all going for a family hike. We're all going to the beach. We're all going out for lunch. Whatever it is, whatever you do together as a family, we're going to go throw the ball around, kick the soccer ball around. Like just do some activity as a family where you go do something where you put your phones away for two or three hours and you do something together. I would also start to try to chip away at it from that angle. And frankly, that's usually good for us as adults too because it forces us to get off our own devices. Right. Set a good example. Um. So, so can you tell us a little bit about how it affects sleep when they're on their devices all the time? So there is research out there that talks about how the blue light on devices, right? The, that, that blue spectrum light that comes from our phones or, or laptops can impact our melatonin levels, which affects our, our body's um, circadian rhythm. Um, so it's definitely real. It's definitely there. Um, I mean, I think I, you know, we, we deal with this. My son is, he'll be seven next month. Um, and there's no question. I mean, he tends to get his, his screen time later in the day, like, you know, say five o'clock. Um, this is usually when he gets that time to chill out and, and watch some videos. And, we, and I know for sure getting him off it, you know, if he's going to go to bed at eight, you know, getting him off around six 30 or so, as opposed to say seven 30, if it's a night when it goes a little longer, closer to his bedtime, it's just going to be a lot more work to get him to come down and relax and be ready for bed. Um, so I do think that generally they say the, the research points is to get them off somewhere between one and two hours before they're actually going to go to bed so they can just do something else and calm themselves down, read or spend time together as a family or whatever you do. But it's definitely advised to create a buffer between device time and going to bed because it can definitely impact it. Do you recommend that teens be allowed on their dev devices during the school week? 
You know, that's a great question. Um, I have seen it work both ways. I mean, let me say this. If you have the kind of home and you have the sort of values and your kid, you know, you can get your kid to be aligned with your values of just not having devices during the school week, I think that's great. I would definitely go for it. I also think for some families, for whatever reason, without any kind of judgment, that that's just probably not realistic, that that's not, you know, how the parents behave, the parents are on their devices, maybe they need to be on their devices for work, and it's just going to be a reality. And because they're on their devices, their kids are going to be on their devices. So I, I, I wouldn't judge, I think you just have to make a call around what works for your family. You know, if you are going to be on devices during the week, then again, I come back to my devices go to bed at night, too. And maybe you have an earlier cutoff time where everybody turns things off at, you know, eight o'clock or something. Um, you know, the other thing, too, that that and it's, again, tougher during times of covid. But what tends to you know, where parents often find themselves in a struggle is when they have a rule with their with their uh, their kids that say this says, go something like this. Okay, you can have your screen time once your homework is done. That may work, but a lot of times what's going to happen is that kids are just going to try to just burn through their homework as quickly as they can to get to the coveted screen time, and they're not really focused on it. And then parents are aware of it, and the parents are annoyed, and then it turns into this power struggle that you can't really win as a parent, and it just kind of sucks. So the easier way to avoid that is to just do something like, okay, you come home from school. Uh, or school's over at three o'clock and you get your devices from three to five or three to six and you just get to chill out and have your downtime, play games, talk to your friends, watch some Netflix or whatever you're going to do. Then at six o'clock, we turn it off and you do your homework. The other option is to just let kids kind of, um, you know, come home and do their homework and the devices don't, they don't get device time till let's say eight, eight o'clock anyway. Um, if they're older kids. And that way there's no incentive to rush through their homework because nothing's going to happen till 8 o'clock anyway, for example. So there's a couple of different ways you can play it strategically. Um, but I don't think it's the worst thing if, you, if they're, if they're going to do it in during the week. I think you just want to you want to have control over it as a parent. Right. Yeah, I love in your book how you say this is not a democracy. It's a benevolent dictatorship. I'm in a lot of parenting groups online so I, I see what other parents are struggling with and phones and gaming seems to be one of the big ones. And a lot of these parents seem to have forgotten that they're the parents and they're just letting the kids run the house. Um, but, and we don't want them to do that, but we also don't want to swing the other way where we're like barking orders and they'd feel like they have no say in the matter. So how do we know where to draw the line? Like you were saying, is it just, do what feels right for your family. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is the tough stuff of parenting. I mean, what you're saying is I, I don't think there's any parent that doesn't struggle with that question, including myself, you know, and it's, it's kind of like being on a tightrope as a parent where on the one hand, you know, we know we have to give them rules and boundaries and structure and guidance. And on the other hand, we need to let them kind of figure things out for themselves and learn from mistakes and all that stuff. And the reality is that both of those are true. And it is, a, it is a balancing act. And a lot of times, you know, we feel out of balance. But if you think about it, that's kind of what it happens when you're on a tightrope. It's just it's, it's not an easy balance time. I think, you know, again, I, I think the big question for parents to ask themselves are what are my non-negotiables? Right. You know, like how much time can I live with him being or her being on a device? 
and be decisive about it. You know, and in my book, I kind of walk through a framework of how to think about that and, and how to you know, assess that for your family. But once you have a sense of what the, what the non-negotiables are, then hold the line and as much as you can, let go of the rest. Right. You know, I think another question that every parent should ask themselves is what can I let go of? Because it's real easy to get caught in fighting the wrong battles with our kids. It's very easy to get caught up in battles around things that just annoy us as parents, you know, because our kids often do annoying things. But sometimes, you know, lose, lose sight of the bigger picture about what really matters over the long haul. So right. I think it's about knowing your non-negotiables, holding the line, and then probably doing your best to let go of the rest and to love them and let them figure the rest of it out. I guess the younger they are, you know, the, the more control. And then as they get older, you just loosen up and loosen up. And then hopefully by the time they're out of your house, then yeah. they'll be. I think so. And, and, you know, and just go, coming back to the whole devices conversation, if it's not been clear already, you know, like when you think about parenting in some ways, it's, you know, part of the, being on the tightrope is one of the things you're trying to figure out is what battles am I going to fight? Right. What hill right. do I want to die on? <laughs> yeah. What hill do I want to die on? What battles am I going to fight? And and I personally believe that tech is one of the hill is one of the battles we have to fight, because from my experience and kind of to your to your the question you just had, if we don't set limits on it as parents, too often, they're not going to do it, either. So if we right. don't do it, they're not going to have limits. Most kids fall into that category. Some kids will just limit themselves. They'll have other interests. They'll have other things that they actually find more interesting and they'll want to do more. You know, maybe they'll play some video games, but it's not going to take over their life. But for a lot of kids, probably the majority of kids, if we don't set limits, they're not going to do it. So that's it just has to be a battle, in my opinion, particularly as they're younger, that we have to fight. Yeah, they're going to they're going to fight. I, I can't think of very many kids that would say, oh, that's a wonderful idea, mom and dad. I'm glad you brought it up. Let's limit my screen time. Yeah, of so, course not. Kids don't say be, that. They, yeah. they're, they're upset about it, but this is where we have to parent. Right. And, so how can... Well, and sometimes can, it's not comfortable. That's where the whole no is a complete sentence comes in. You know, yeah. it's like the answer is no. It's not, it's not, it's, 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 it's no is a complete sentence. And this is, this is not a, uh, a democracy. It's a benevolent dictatorship. Like no is no. I love you. I'll work with you. We'll figure something out. But at the end of the day, I'm calling the shots. I love you. The answer is no, you know, and walk away, you know, right. love you. Say you love them. Tell them you mean it and goodbye. Yes. You, you got to think of the long game. For sure. <laughs> what are my long-term goals? Yeah. Um, you talk in your book about the 15 second rule. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, it kind of builds on what I just said about this idea of no being a complete sentence, which is the basic idea of the 15 second rule is that anytime you are trying to enforce a rule or set a limit or make a, a point that you were, that you are, you know, a battle you are committed to fighting, right? When you, when you are making a point around one of these things, where this is this is something you're committed to. This is the hill you're going to die on. The whole conversation should not last more than 15 seconds. If you if you are talking more than 15 seconds, you're saying too much, and you're probably getting dragged into some kind of negotiation, or they're nagging, or they're whining, or they're asking why not, and they and they're basically taking control of the situation. When you're clear on what your rule is and when you're clear on that this is something I'm setting a limit around, say it, 
this is the way it's going to be. I love you. I mean it. Goodbye. And walk away. End the conversation. You can do it lovingly. You can do it kindly. But you can do it without negotiating. That's the 15-second rule. Right. That's a great rule. I I know with our littler guy, we often find ourselves trying to explain why we're t- why we're doing what we're doing. And, and that doesn't work, really. They don't want to hear our explanation. <laughs> no, because all he's trying to do is just work you to try to get his way. Right. So you either go down that road with him or you don't. And look, and, and the other part of it is, listen, I know you don't like this and that's okay. You know, you can be upset. You can be frustrated. You obviously got to be appropriate with how you express it. But like, it's okay. You don't have to like this. Someday you'll be able to make your own rules and, and call your own shots. But right now it's my responsibility as your parent to do the thing that I think is right here. Right. And you don't have to like it. They can go stew on it. And then usually they'll come back and say, hey. You know, will you read to me or can we do something together? I'll get over it. Yeah. Uh, we were talking earlier about COVID. When COVID first started, uh, I I saw a lot of parents saying, well, the kids are stressed out. We're just going to not limit them and let them play all they want on their games because that's all they have to do now. And this has stretched on for almost a year now. Yep. And their kids have been spending hours and hours on screens. So, so I know this subject is more difficult now because a lot of people, their kids are online going to school. So they have to be on devices. Um, how can you, if your kid is online on devices, how can you establish guidelines while still getting their schoolwork done? Well, I mean, there's a couple ways to do this. I mean, obviously, you know, you have to... Um, you know, it, first off, you have to know what, what they're actually doing, right? Like what's in, what, what's required of them? How much time do they actually have to be on their device? You know, I mean, look, one option is what you said people are doing, which is they're just saying, okay, hey, for, you know, go, go figure it out. You, you'll be on your computer and, and, and we're just not going to worry about it. And hopefully we'll, once everything goes back to normal, we'll, We'll get back on track and figure it out. I mean, that is one approach that a lot of parents have taken. The other approach, the, the more you want to combat that, the more time you have to spend managing it. Like that's just the, the, the sheer reality. And it's stressful and it's tiring. And you're trying to figure out your own work and your own, you know, job and, and you know, maybe dealing with your own uncertainty in, in the in the current circumstances. And it just it's going to add more more stress to it. But the reality is, is it like this just is a time we have to insert ourselves more in what they're doing. Um, there is some truth to the fact that they are going to be just on their devices more and their social opportunities are a lot less than they normally are. And they can't go get involved in activities. Sports probably aren't happening in a lot of cases. So we, we have to make a decision. Are we going to let them just sit in front of their devices? Or are we going to find some way to try to do something with them and get more involved in their situation. I mean, maybe you can find parent control apps that will help you limit the amount of time that they're spending on YouTube while they're online for school, but it's tough. There's no, there's no silver bullet here that's going to solve it. Um, I do personally believe that in this COVID pandemic time, we do need to relax a little bit around our rules. They're probably just going to be on devices more. It's also a very, for a lot of kids, especially as they're older, it's a way they're going to stay socially connected. And for a lot of them, you know, we don't want them to be socially isolated right now. We know that depression and anxiety rates are up. So we don't, 
we don't want them to feel socially isolated. So I think we have to make some peace with the fact that they're going to be on devices a little bit more. And when we get, when we see them getting to the limits of what we're comfortable with, then I think it's time to say, Hey, let's, let's shut it down and let's go for a walk together. Let's go throw the ball around. Like let's, this has to become almost like a family effort to put some limits around device time. And even in COVID times, I go back to my golden rule around make sure the devices have a, a bedtime as well. I think in some ways, in these times, that's more important than ever. Maybe the devices are just going to get away from you over the course of the day and it's going to be hard and you're going to try to cut it down around the, around the, the margins where you can, but it minimally... There's always this, there's where there's a will, there's a way to make sure that devices go to bed at night too. And I think that, again, I come back to that golden rule that that's the most important thing in normal times, but particularly during COVID. Right. Like you get a reset every night. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Like you just, your, your brain needs to stop looking at a blue screen and dealing with that level of activity and stimulation and just slow down. And you can do something together as a family, they can read, they can hang out, whatever. But now it is then time to 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 end the day and go go rest their brains, get sleep. It's going to regulate their mood. It's going to be good for their health. It's good for their immune system. It's good for their their mental well being. It's just what it's what they have to do. It's what we have to do as adults. There's got to be an end to the day, and everybody's got to get some rest. Right. And if your kid uses it for an alarm clock, well, go then buy you them go an alarm clock. Yeah, go buy them an alarm <laughs> clock for for I think it's like for like nine eight eight or nine bucks on Amazon or Walmart, you can get right. a really basic alarm clock. It worked just fine when I was a kid. Yeah. Don't let them, don't let them give you that line, but I need yeah. it for my alarm clock. No, they all say that nobody needs it. I mean, <laughs> honestly, I, I really also subscribe to the idea of storing devices outside their room. From my experience, having a device with an arm's reach is an almost unbearable temptation for, particularly for teenagers, for most kids. Or right. they'll wake up at three o'clock in the morning and they'll be curious about what somebody posted and they'll look and then they'll spend two hours on Snapchat. It's just, it's just better to have it out of their room. So would you also do that for your, the older ones you say that they're self-regulating now, 17, 18? At that age, as I long mean, as they're. Well, no, at that age, I'd be talking to them about recognizing why this is, why they need to shut it down and put it on airplane mode, ideally store it outside of their bedroom. I, I would be just talking to them more about their self-management around that. Right. That's good. Another response I often hear from parents is they don't search what their kids are doing because they w don't want to invade their teen's privacy. What is your response to that? Um, yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, this is about trust. Right. Like the underlying thing here is, do I trust that my kid is doing the right thing with a device? And something in your gut tells you either yes or it tells you no. And if it tells you no, then I think you should be looking at their their uh, their search history and see what they're doing on their device. I would be upfront with them about it. I wouldn't use it as a, like a punishment. I would say, hey, look, you know, having this device is a responsibility. And in my book, I actually I offer a, a template for what I call like a family tech agreement, like a set, just a very set of common, uh, a set of agreements and, and just this common understanding template, if you will, between you and your kid when they get their own device. And one of the things that's on there is that I want I want you to succeed with this. I want to trust you with this. But. I'm also going to be checking. I'm going to see what you're going to be doing. 
And if you're not looking at the things you shouldn't be looking at, then we then we have nothing to worry about. Um, but I think that's how you you guide the conversation. I think you'd be upfront about it. And the reality is, is that if you if you really do trust your kid, then maybe you don't need to look, or maybe you'll check once a year. Maybe you'll sit down with them once a year and, and do sort of an audit, if you will, of of their search history. Um, you know, but again, it's it's the, the point here is that it should lead to healthy conversations with your kid about trust, about what's good behavior online, what's not good behavior. Again, not lecturing them, but just having conversations because that is how they they grow and internalize good values for themselves. It's not us policing them. It's really us more having conversations with them around appropriate behavior. And a lot of this is also going to depend on your values as a parent. You know, like, for example, like pornography is something that most kids, particularly boys, are probably going to look at at some point. It is it is available 24 seven on their phone. And if you think that you have a parent control app that's going to block it, well, then their friend does not. And they're going to look at it on their friend's phone. Like this is just a reality for for most adolescents, uh, particularly boys. So, for example, instead of if you find out that your your son has been looking at porn Instead of freaking out about it, even though it may completely, you know, be, you know, leave you speechless and make you very uncomfortable, this is a really important conversation to have. So, what what do you find there? What did he What does he know about this industry? What is What does he think about it? Just having a, a matter of fact conversation so that he can reflect on this. From my experience, that ends up being a lot more helpful and constructive, and and teaches them to think about their own choices a lot more than us freaking out and being in police mode around their device use. Right. It makes sense. It'd be kind of like if you, uh, if you had an employer and you weren't doing what you're supposed to do, but you didn't know it and they came in and guns blazing and started yelling at you yeah. as opposed to just sitting down and having a conversation and telling you why this is important. <laughs> yeah. Or, Hey, this is against our company policy. You may not have known that, so I want I want you to understand that. Let's have a conversation about it. You know, if I see that it's a problem, then I may have to take some other kind of action, but you can talk about it. You know, I think it's also I just think it's important to have those kind of conversations. Um, you know, so that they can that they can that they can and I think you can give them your opinion. I'm not I wouldn't by any means hold back on what you think about about, you know, just following porn as an example. I think you should give them your opinion about it. But you want to give it to them in a way that they're going to then factor that into making their own opinions about it. If it comes off as you need to see it the way that I see it, there's a good chance they're going to tune you out. Yeah. Because they're making up their mind about this stuff. They're formulating their opinions about this. You know, they don't have 20 years of experience that, that we do in the world and in, in, in making decisions and navigating things. They've got an adolescent brain and they're figuring things out. So we just we have to again, have a good relationship with them so we can even have that conversation, you know, so we can, we can have a constructive conversation. If we don't have a good sense of rapport with them, it's very hard to do that. But I think that that's how we should do it is really think about, this is about trust. I want to increase my trust in my relationship. And the best way to do that is to have honest conversations. Right. I think you have to kind of, you have to have connection. Like you need to be doing fun stuff and doing, you know, doing stuff when you're not always getting on to them <laughs> for sure right for sure and that's that's the best way to build connection and they don't so that they don't want to disappoint you for sure 
There's no question that the most important thing in your relationship with your kid is the strength of your relationship above all else. You know, if yeah. they feel like they can talk to you and more importantly that you're really going to be there and you're going to listen to them without judgment, without lecturing, that is probably the single greatest thing you can have working in your favor. You yeah. know, that they feel like they can hang out with you. That they can just go do stuff with you and relax around you and have fun with you and laugh and joke and and just, you know, re relax. You know, it's like if, if we can't, if they can't just let their guard down around us in simple ways and just enjoy themselves and have shared time of, of enjoyment and laughter together, it's, it's hard to get to the deeper subtext of what's really going on in their life if they can't yeah. have simple interactions with you. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to add? No, I just think when it comes to this whole tech thing, I think I just come back to the whole thing that the, the tech isn't the issue. The issue is moderation. And I don't know that any of us do it perfectly, but I do think that there's always something we can strive for to make the situation better, to put some healthy limits on it. You know, for some parents, it's just going to be simple to have some simple conversations and set some basic limits and their kids will follow along. And for other kid, for other parents, it is going to be a more of an uphill battle. But if you can even just do some, you know, implement a couple of the things that we talked about here tonight, like devices going to bed at night and finding non-digital activities you can do with your kids, you know, even, you know, a couple times a month, it's going to make things better. You're going to chip away at some of the, the way in which devices become just over, overwhelm and overtake their lives and help them develop, at the end of the day, help them develop long-term healthy habits with devices because at the, at the end of the day in a certain number of years whether it's one year or 10 years you're not going to be there anymore to help them make those decisions and they got to figure it out for themselves so you know we have to do the best we can to point them in the right direction with it yeah good stuff uh where can people find you joshuawayne.com j-o-s-h-u-a-w-a-y-n-e.com and there's some free resources there on my uh on my website around tech and some just a free video uh series i created for parents so there's some there's some resources there for free for uh, anybody who wants to go check it out all right thank you so much for coming on the podcast thank you for having me it was nice chatting with you yes it was very informative you guys go check out his book, The Simple Parenting Guide to Technology. You can find it on Amazon. It's an easy read, but it is chock full of great information. And if you know someone who might benefit from this info, please share this podcast with them. And if you're looking for activities that you can do with your kids that don't involve technology, you can go to RaisingConfidentTeens.com slash 25-skills. Uh, that link will also be in the show notes. And... In there, we'd like to give you a list of 25 skill building experiences that you can have with your teen that are not only fun, but also teach them practical skills. If you're a parent or a mentor, come join us in our free private Facebook group, the Raising Confident Teens community. We would love to see you there. Have a great week.